Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody. We have another show of the conversation. Today, we're going to talk about uh, kind of where we left off with um, the weather acting the way it does. Uh, there was a lot of different, or there were several different uh, reasonings we we gave for why the weather is doing what it's doing or or why it may have um, spiked with the hurricanes over the hurricane season. Um, and we kind of were all on different different levels of, of what we felt was going on. Um, since then, we've kind of been talking off air uh, about a couple of things that I did want to bring up in this show. Um, Bridget had us listen to... Um, what is the guy's name in the show, please? Oh, yeah, his name is Richard Wolf. Yes, He's a pretty us, popular economic guy. Yes, we got a, a true a true economic guy um, on the radio, not me because I'm not an economist. Um, <laughs> and and I really like some of the things he, he brought up. Um and I'll just say this as my piece, listening to it, I definitely liked what he was saying, but he wasn't really, it, how can I say this? It's it's not very customer-friendly. Let me use that word. It's not very customer-friendly with what a lot of <laughs> stuff he's saying um, needs to follow. If you are a listener or a customer listening to it, you would have to do an about-face because uh, he, he, which I agree with, is telling us we're wrong by a lot of the things we're doing. Um, he he started with the premise of how capitalism, society, America is, um, how for certain things capitalism is not the best answer and, and how that wraps into all this. Uh, when we have natural disasters or when disasters happen, Usually the homeowners have insurance of some sort, flood insurance, uh, wind insurance. And and he was stating in Florida, which catches hurricanes all the time, and, and, and most of the livable – well, Florida's a swamp. So there's a lot of different, um, I guess, building things and insurance things down there. And there, there's – the major insurance companies have moved out of there. Uh, now most of those people are covered by small insurance companies um, to fill in the vacuum that after what's just happened, they probably won't be able to pay the policies. And that kind of brought me to the question of, and I'll, I'll open I'll open it up, uh, Bridget, just to let you know, uh, Dwayne has joined us. He's here in the building. Oh, no warning, uh, man. Uh, it's better uh, just like Good <laughs> morning. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna open it with this. Um You just um, blew him up though, Trip. I like the sneak I, thing. The, right. the, 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 the sneak attack <laughs> is, is all but he doesn't he doesn't like the sneak attack. He doesn't like it at all. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but you already knew he was there and you didn't warn me before. So now I'm just not sure how to feel about this. <laughs> well, well, he, he jumped in when I was uh, opening, and I didn't want to cut cut my mm-hmm. opening. 
But since mm-hmm. I was going to open it up. I don't like messing up people's monologues. And Tripp is yeah. a good monologue, so I didn't want to. I do. <laughs> I have to get in my zone and meditate for three days to do my opening. Um, so I did not want to break stride. Uh, <laughs> and I know it's totally off subject, but it's back in my head. Uh, when you were, the way, when I was coughing and you were like, I'm not going to play around you like they do with Mello. That is like the greatest thing ever. That's like a, that, I, that should be an episode. Go ahead. I just wish that people could like, everybody would understand like the, um, the flashback the humor. Cause I, I didn't, I, I never saw that game before you guys had sent it to me. You know, I, I never heard about that on sports center. That was the first time. So it's, it's kind of going to go over a lot of people's heads, but hopefully they've seen it. Yeah, for our, for our other co-hosts, uh, we're talking about a, a bas- NBA basketball player. It was an NBA basketball game. A star player does a move, runs into another player. It doesn't look bad, but he collapses on the court. The refs don't stop the game. They keep playing. They actually run down the court and come back, and he is literally still laying on the ground motionless. And they're still playing basketball around him until a couple people almost land on him. Then the refs call it. And it's like, whoa, this guy is dead on the court. The the funny thing about it is that it kind of tells you about what kind of person this guy is because most sports, the players do have the control to kick the ball out or – or throw the ball out of bounds and they can stop play themselves, but like nobody cared. They just like nope. he was just dead in the middle of the floor and they were just dribbling around him. People were grabbing rebounds, landing on him. Nobody really cared. It was just a weird situation that I had to refer to. Yeah, it, and in the the very telling part that you said is even his teammates are still playing because, like you said, the courteous thing to do. The other team gets the ball, they'll just hold up. Let call a timeout, you know, so the player can be attended to. Uh, but everybody kept playing, so that is <laughs> just the, one of the funniest moments. But uh, back to our show. So opening up, uh, and I'll start with you, Dwayne. Uh, you kind of heard what I said. Should insurance companies be ran by the government, or is is the insurance field something the government should highly regulate? So I feel like you gave me a trick question because I I feel after the bailout that the insurance companies are ran by the government. So I don't know (laughs) quite how to answer the question. Um, Should they be? uh, Go ahead. I would say, to to what you said, I would say uh, from that premise, the government bailed them out, which we'll probably do again um because the insurance companies in Florida aren't going to be able to cover all, all this disaster, the government's going to have to bail them in to give them the money to give to the citizens. I know that happens. Outside of that, you know, giving them more control. Do you think they need more control than just bailing out companies? All right, so if, if we're just looking at it through a vacuum, and I'm, I'm looking at it through, through my business's mind, Based off what I heard, I didn't watch the video. It's been a pretty busy weekend for me personally. Um, But if your company um, can't stay profitable and honor the commitments that it makes to its customers, no, they shouldn't be able to to have the power that they have and and the government should take them over. Because really what's going on is we're double paying for insurance. We're paying our taxes, which back the insurance companies 
and we're paying the insurance companies to gouge us at it any opportunity they can get. Um, it's like oh. it's like going to your bookie, and you know he breaks your leg, one of your legs, if you don't pay, and then you win big. You keep gambling. You have an issue, and you go to him and you say, "Well, I I won huge. You know, I I bet on um, let's say for for people that know soccer, Leicester City that." Those, those that was three thousand. The odds were three thousand and one. So if you bet a dollar, it's three thousand bucks your bookie owes you, and your bookie can't pay you, and you've got a broken leg, and you're looking at him like, well, you broke my leg when I couldn't pay, but now I'm here for retribution, and you know I can't break your leg. I don't have that kind of clout, and you're just kind of looking at each other. So if they're not able to to stand by their commitments, they shouldn't be able to operate um, in the climate that they're operating in. In my in my personal stance. Can I jump in yeah. real quick, Tripp? Yep, definitely. So there's a there's another piece to this, which is like you're saying, this is kind of way zoomed in. So we zoom out the first part of what the economics guy was saying, which your was, was that the private companies that were in there saw all this coming down the road and they all pulled out of the state. And I don't, So that's why the small companies jumped in. So... So the big corporations were like, nah, we can't make any profit. We're out. So then it made, you know, it made way for these smaller companies to try to fill in that that hole. So I think, like, the bigger, the bigger question, it's not so much what government should do. I think it's a lot of the, the private versus pu- public funding. And, and, I mean, obviously the government ties into that. But it's, a, it's like a bigger and a yeah. larger piece. And a smaller piece too, yes. No, definitely. That, um, and, I, and I didn't watch the video, but are these smaller companies going to be able to foot this bill? No. Nope. So that that's no. just my same answer. I mean, it's great that it's created business for smaller companies, but like, what's well, that, the that, point of this business? That's what I, I wanted to chime in with, um, and me and me and Dwayne, the business guys. For us, that's how business is supposed to work. Um, the big guy gets out and makes room for the little guys who can still profit because we don't have to pay out as much as a bigger company does to their CEOs. And, um, um, oh, do or, they have to do that? I don't mm, They don't, they don't, they don't they have, have to. <laughs> to do anything, <laughs> you know, but, but back to uh, capitalistic society, in uh, in a, in a and this is what I got listening to him. He didn't say it. This is just what I got. Um, in a capitalistic society, people with um, motivation can can start a service and charge somebody and profit off of it. That's kind of what America's brought up on. But then when, when we are now profitizing disaster, and, and there's others, profitizing of um, – of, uh, of uh, people in prison, you know, care and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. When when in, in the healthcare, we're we're trying to change that. I, I I will. I don't want to say applaud, but I, I will say at least we took a step in the right direction as far as healthcare, where it's more regulated by the government, um, where they have to answer to the government before they have to answer to us. Where insurance companies, you know, they they could say, oh, you didn't read the last page of this uh, thank you sign, which says if if it's a Tuesday, we're not covering any policies. Um, and, and by law, they can do that. 
which I think, even though I'm a businessman, I, I think that's very, it's a wrong way to do business. Um, and you brought up the word gouging. That's the only word you kind of use in these, in these situations um, because even if the small companies were to pay for it, the turnaround is they're going to just gouge you to get their money back. They're, they're not going to take a loss where, like, governments are set up to take losses. They're, you know, they're just going to collect the taxes and, and spread the loss out across, you know, the, the, the citizens. Um, which, which I'm not going to say, well, it is, in my mind, it's a better motto. I'm not motto, a, a, better, a better way of doing it. Um, but that in itself can bring its, its problems in. That's why I was kind of just opening it up on, on um, you know, how, how should we start handling insurance companies or companies that handle disasters? Or, or uh, even if you look at our, the people who read our weather, they're not government workers. They work for a news station or a media company or a website. You know, technically they have people they have to answer to before they answer to the customers. I'm just – the way this weather is starting to turn out, do you think weather insurance needs to go the, the way as our health insurance where it's kind of a God-given right and we should help each other as a community get through it rather than leaving it up to a privatized company to profit off of it? What do you guys feel? Uh, Bridget, you want to go first? or? Uh, yeah, it's, it's another big question. I don't know a lot about the different organizations, but I, I do know, like, volunteers and nonprofit groups and people on the ground in Houston were out there first before, like, is it FEMA? Is that one of them? And, like, yeah, um, the blood, was it, Red Cross? So, like... So yeah, like that's definitely that's definitely a thing, and I I think if we look to how other, did you guys hear a little bit about how Cuba handled? Yes. Everything. Yeah. So if we if no. we look to like some explain, really good examples. I didn't, I didn't see the video. Can you explain it? Oh, this is just separate. This is just things I saw in the news. Basically, a lot of people are talking about how how great Cuba is basically at handling. They get a lot of storms, and they all kind of handle it together. They have really specific strategies about how to evacuate people, where people live exactly, the elderly, the people that won't be able to evacuate themselves. They have everything pre-mapped out, so they know what to do. Everything, there's a plan. They know if they need to go to a shelter. They know if they need to go to a relative. And so the deaths, like, there were still casualties, I think, about 10 people died. Um, this last when uh, Irma came, or Harvey came through, and in Houston, I think it was it's like over sixty, right? Over sixty people actually lost their lives. Yeah, I, um, I so, think you can. Oh no, yeah. So just you know, looking to other people's fairness and basically, you know, I I think you guys probably saw the announcement too from um, the Texas representative that was like. Well, I couldn't tell everyone to evacuate, otherwise there'd be a lot of people on the road. Like that was their preparedness. So I just feel like uh, we could do that. Yeah, I love that that excuse that the that governments like to give for reasons not to evacuate. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 to uh, jump on the back of what she said, um, he he was explaining how 
the Caribbean, because the Caribbean was destroyed, um, how several, how, you know, you look at Haiti, Haiti is almost gone now. Um, these are all capitalistic societies. And then you look at, I, I don't want to say the only other option, but you, the only other government option that's really out there, which is communism or socialism, where the government runs everything, which is kind of what I'm talking about. Um, everything was done orderly. Everything was done right. They had the fewest casualties. They were back up and running faster than well. Most of these other countries aren't even back up and running uh, where Cuba is. Um, so they, he was trying to give that where you know, oh wait, there is something outside of capitalism we could do about this. Let's see what they do. And for this instance, I think it is a it is a a better a better better solution. And because uh, I've always had a, a beef with insurance companies. Yes, yes. When I was younger, I was a very bad driver, which which started my beef with insurance companies. Um, but it made it made me realize they don't care whether you're alive, dead, whether your car's messed up or not. They just want their money. And I know from business, the managers have a certain profit margin they have to make. You know. So uh, back back to Dwayne. Um, you know, you've been in the Caribbean. Um, you, out of the two of us, you've probably been the only one that's probably been through a hurricane. Um, through your through your experience, do you do you think it would be better? Or and and I know you're younger in Jamaica. How, how do they handle it? Is that like a government thing, or is it kind of like America does, where it's everybody for yourself? Um, when when I was there, um it was closer to when Jamaica got independent. So they still had uh, um, the British rules and regulations in place. So things were fairly organized and the company, the, the, the country was, um, it, it had a, a better structure to it than, than today. Um, but I, I think, I think the point that you're getting to is, is that there, there probably needs to be a blend there's probably not really one answer. Communism probably isn't the answer. Capitalism isn't the answer. Maybe a blend of the two during certain times and situations would probably be the, the, the best thing, thing for everybody. Because I, I think like what, hearing you talk um, and, and thinking about Caribbean people and, and, and being first generation, I, I wasn't born there, but I've lived there and went to school there and, and seeing the differences between between the people, I I could definitely see. I mean, Cuba Cuba's been hailed with a lot of positive things, like like their healthcare and some other things that the rest of the Caribbean just doesn't have. And and I think for Caribbean people, for certain things, um, specific direction and non-negotiable terms are sometimes the way to go. And I think I think sometimes that that may make sense for us. I I get nervous about putting putting things into the government's hands totally because I've seen the government run amok of a lot of different things. And, and when I think about, let's, let's, let's pretend my house was leveled. I'd have to, I'd have to deal with a government agency to make a claim and wait on a check. I mean, winter may come and go before my situation. <laughs> is handled. Like, I mean, I, I hear vets that fought for this country and, and, you know, they're shell shocked and they, they've lost limbs. Like, the 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 um 
the VA doesn't want you to come get your medicine. They want you to get your medicine sent to you directly. Like, it's such a hands-off approach to somebody that's been impacted for your country directly. And, and to apply that to a civilian who we're going to say, for, for just conversation's sake, isn't as strong as a, as a military-bred person, and, and put them put them in the, the same hands and the same leadership, I, I don't know if that's the perfect idea. Now, now it's funny hearing the situation in Florida, um, having a little bit of background in insurance and, and lending and stuff like that. Um, there's something called redlining that isn't allowed. Redlining was something that they did to, to uh, minority um, communities in terms of how they lent money or how they provided insurance. And what it did was it basically price gouged the people that didn't have information to, to make proper purchases. If the, if the government knows that you've got a corporation making billions of dollars uh, in America and they know that this, these companies are all pulling out, like to me that's kind of an unfair practice. Like you, you want to make money in America, you want to do well, but you don't want to do well here because everything that you've run – has told you that you're going to actually have to pay money. We understand that your business model is based on not paying money, but it's still part of the U.S. It's not, it's not like Puerto Rico where it's a territory, and that's a little bit more complicated. There's laws been, that have been written around redlining, and that seems to be a form of redlining because this is a group of people that they're going to get hit, but you don't want to recognize them as part of your business portfolio, even though – you know, these people pay taxes and, and they're a part of a union that allows you to be profitable. It just doesn't seem like when you look at how a contract is written and how, and how uh, America views contract and, and part of a, what makes a contract a contract is that that, that that piece of document or that bond has to be a fair, um, a fair document. That doesn't seem like a fair business practice that you can just pull out of any area based on your business model. I think it's a, it's a very complicated answer. I think it's it's, it's going to be a combination of, of regulation um, and maybe government oversight rather than government just totally taking over a situation. Because I, I don't – just like I don't trust these corporations, I, I don't trust the government to properly run uh, something that, that needs to be run in a, with any type of urgency. If I, if I want something done with urgency, I don't want the government involved. I know that was a long-winded answer, but it was the best I could come up with. No, I and, and uh, your answer was good. Uh, and and she mentioned mentioned it. Well, actually, she mentioned both of them. I, I guess they're on either side. One would be FEMA. If you got to wait for FEMA, we all we all saw New Orleans. You'll be dead by the time they get there if you think the government's right. going to save you in a natural disaster. Um, and then Red Cross, they showed up. But like he said, the civilians showed up for everybody. And, and, and it just shows government and I guess that's nonprofit. I call it a corporation. But government and somewhat corporate, um, how they handle it and their, their effectiveness. Um, I, uh, and I, and I, I know I'm going to pick an odd way to go about this. Uh, but but I'm, I'm gonna throw a suggestion out there. Well, there's just as much cor- corruption in thi- in this as much as the government and as much as corporations. But for me, churches are supposed to handle situations like this. Um, to me, this is why churches are supposed to take money 
is is so when the community is in need, and this is my point, or or this is where I view churches. The church is supposed to be the cornerstone, or or um something to help the community out. Uh, and and uh, I'm not going to say his name, but one one pastor, he had a you know, in New Orleans, when 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 the when the hurt when the levees broke and the hurricanes and everything, the best place to go to was the NFL stadium. It was the biggest place. You know, the places hold like eighty thousand people seat wise, so they could probably hold like another, you know, forty thousand. So it could probably hold over a hundred thousand people. Um, this pastor has a church that was an old basketball stadium that was probably given to him for peanuts by the government with no taxes because he's a nonprofit, he wasn't opening his doors to let refugees in. And and, and for me, that just boggles my mind because it's like, okay, you're into saving lives, but only if they pay you? Because <laughs> that's the only way I see it. You have someone I, at your door. I hate, to say this, I hate to say this, trip because people will take it the wrong way, but you – you living your life and you being a pastor's son know that knows that a church is a corporation just like any other. Yes, well, corporate and and pe- people are a part of it, and decisions have to be made, and people have agendas. And that pastor, like you pointed out, it probably wasn't even his decision. It wasn't his so, decision. <laughs> so, it, well, any, I mean, you have to answer right there. Churches and that did are, happen again. That did happen again this time in Texas. There is like a few no, that, that, that got called out, yeah. That that's who I'm talking about. I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna give him any 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 more clout. You know. Oh my bad. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I know exactly who he is. Um and and I don't wanna go on a tirade, but this is a perfect opportunity to do it. I don't <laughs> like churches I don't like churches of that size. I don't. I just I just don't. And and, and there's a thousand reasons why. One of them being a lot of times when they get too big, they're almost their own nation. Um, and Dwayne, Dwayne pointed out, churches have the same contract and filing that every Fortune 500 company has. They just have different language. That's all it is. It's just different language. Yeah. But to, to properly have a church, you have to file a Schedule C, which is, it would be a nonprofit Schedule C, but you would still have to do the same type of filing that a corporation would. So technically they're, they're the same thing. I'm, I was just under the assumption that, okay, you're religious, you get tax benefits, that you guys would help the community and not only help your um, constituents. Listen, man, we, 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 know, we know that once people if, – if, if churches could operate without people – They'd be perfect machines for exactly what you're talking about. Anytime you get people involved, you get agendas involved. You get people that care about power, and it just kind of becomes a muddled mess nine times out of ten. I'm not saying that there's no good churches around, but once you start, you know, tangling that web, you know, now now you're government. I mean, technically you're government funded because you don't pay taxes that everybody else pays. Yeah. So, I mean, you, if you want to look at it in a roundabout way, you not having to pay, uh, you know, thirty cents on the dollar or whatever corporations pay on the dollar—that's your rip. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, th- this is a multi-million-dollar church, so yeah, they're 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 getting off of a, 
what, 45%? You know, Mm because a natural company, if they pulled in a million dollars in a year, other than the write-offs, they're going to be hitting like forty, the, definitely the forty percentile. Um, so yeah, yeah. They're, you know they're they're profiting just because of that, um, and then you're not helping the community. Uh, so and I, and I, I'm not saying all the churches did this. I'm not you know um, supposedly and and I didn't see pictures, um, but supposedly when that when this church didn't open, they and they have the Houston Rockets old basketball stadium. Um, before before they were letting people in, they were saying in the same area or in the same the same city, all the mosques were open and all the mosques were letting people that, in. That, now that that was embarrassing for the Christian community, right there. That was extremely embarrassing. Yeah, but to me, that's the difference between the two the two religions. They 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 point at other things. To me, when I look at it with my viewpoint, um. Muslims, and if you just look at the programs they have in the communities that in the communities they have, I know they get a bad rap for 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 being extremists, but it's a more loving religion than Christianity. Christianity is more about what have you done for me, <laughs> and Muslims are about let's do something for somebody else. Because if you look at a lot of churches, or, or or if you go to a lot of churches, you'll find out it's a club. There's ranks. You know, there's, and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen with all religions, but it, it's definitely huge in um, America. They're, they're sort of power hubs, you know. Um, I don't want to say a secret society, but, you know, that's what secret societies are. The, the controllers of the city get together and then have services for people. So um, to, to get back on topic, so... I, I I do hear what everyone's saying. Um, I definitely don't know if government is the key, even though we did use Cuba as the example, and their government runs everything. Um, I'm not like Dwayne stated. I'm not ready to just give them the keys and let them let them control it. Uh, but I, I do feel it, it should be um, a regulated, a highly regulated business. Um, well, even I don't want to say they're a church, but you know, if if companies in Miami or in Florida, they need insurance companies to do what they do, you know, we'll, we'll regulate it. The government should have certain practices, and as long as they follow these practices, and something crazy does happen, then they'll bail them out. But I, I feel, you know, when, when when you have the practices they have, uh. And, and I don't know about flood insurance. I know that gets high, but I know just for driving insurance, they'll charge up to five, six, seven, seven hundred a month. You know, if 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 companies are allowed to do stuff like that, and then when they do get hit, they want to run and hide and say they don't have any money. I think there should be some regulation on that. Um, if I if I did want the government to jump in, that that's the type of regulation I would want. Um, back to you, Bridget. Did you have any, before we move to another topic, did you have any suggestions that, that we could put out into the universe that uh, maybe we could handle situations like this better? We're talking about the disaster portion or the insurance portion. I feel like you guys covered the insurance portion pretty good. I don't know yeah, a lot more just, about that. But just, I'm just using insurance as a as a 
Gateway. Insurance companies. Uh, just for a name, because insurance is actually <laughs> insurance companies are actually just banks. They hold money, but you know, contractors are the ones that are going to go do the work and receive the money. Um, people like me, laborers, are the ones that's going to receive the money. Um, and they're not the ones that are then going to come around and say, "Oh, wait, no, we'll do it for free. Don't pay us. We'll we'll do it for less." So I don't just want to throw all the blame on the insurance company. And we can kind of move to disaster, just disasters in general, because when disasters happen, you need money, you need food, you need clothes, you need shelter, you need a lot of different things. Like in Houston, landlords are still asking for rent. You're kind of asking, what type of suggestions would you like to see in these scenarios that the government could do, or maybe corporations, or maybe like Dwayne saying, a combination, maybe an agency that, that you know, I don't want to throw out all the suggestions. I'm asking for you now that you've seen the situation, we've talked about a little, what are some of the things you would like to see moving forward? Um, it's a little depressing, actually. I, like, no one's coming to save us. And so, like, during this disaster, for example, if we had preparedness, community preparation, like, all ready to go at the state or counties, you know, they – if they talked about these things coming down the way. Like, I, I know certain states are just better in general at seeing things down the road and taking action before it gets crazy. I know New York's got a lot of plans for, like, the sea rise. I don't know the specifics, but... So it just it's just a matter of... If it doesn't profit you to prepare, no one's coming to save us. Like, it's just us. So it's like... Like, they took care to do the best they can with shutting down the oil refineries and release a lot of chemicals in the process and made it like a big chemical soup down there with the flooding. And, like, there's a couple of prisons, like in Beaumont and some other areas, that, that didn't get evacuated. And so they were just treated like ridiculous. I don't know if you guys heard about, about those situations, too. So, I, I did hear about that, yeah. So it just, that's just it, right? So, um what to do is kind of a big question mark because the one thing that news and mainstream media and all of that didn't really want to talk about was climate change. And then, like, while we're wait, Florida was waiting for Irma, I know you said that with Harvey you were impressed that they were trying to put a lock on some of the shady things that corporations were doing to jack up prices. But what was Trump doing? Trump was talking about he was up in North Dakota and, other places talking about how proud he was about the pipelines opening again. So there's no there's no uh, urgency for this matter, like for climate change. Obviously, like we already know that's happening, and I'm just not sure. That unless the states are going to be proactive and different communities to help each other, I just like no, I just feel that like we're kind of on our own about that stuff right now because nobody wants to talk about it. It's kind of depressing. But if we were more community-based, like, you know, if we had, like, that kind of tight-knit thing like Cuba, we all got each other's back. This storm's coming. We've seen it ten times before. In the last little while, we're going to do it again. Like, But we just don't. And I think that's just part of our culture, unfortunately, for a lot of areas in the country. So I'm not sure. I don't think there's a simple fix. It might have to just be, like, a localized or state-by-state -state kind of resolution or way to go forward until we get 
people in leadership that actually want to address the climate change issue. That's just that's just how I feel about. Okay, so so to sum up what you're saying, you say um, leave the government out because they're just definitely the central government. Um, make it more community based. Um, I, I do, and you said it. American society, our society is not into helping. Well, I'll say this: the East Coast is not into helping each other out. I don't. I know other parts of America are more polite than than the East Coast, but I, I find in situations like this that that the animal instinct kicks in, where everybody is only thinking about their own head and not the the community. Um, Dwayne, what what do you feel about it? Honestly, I, I didn't have a, an answer until uh, Bridget gave her answer. But I, I think the answer, to be honest with you, is, is us. Um, we we allow, like we can we can point at the government all we want to. We can point at corporations all we want to. But I mean, we support these corporations at the end of the day. We pay for these taxes, and until we band together and we hold these people accountable, and I'm not talking about picking up arms. I'm talking about, you know, truly getting to know, you know, the, the, the process that um, that goes on when it comes to electing somebody and, and, and as a community holding those people accountable in your area. I mean, it's all going to stay the same. Like, like Bridget said, we're all doomed. If we don't do it, it's not going to happen. And we've learned, we've learned that throughout our lives, Trip. You know, we've, we've kind of always looked around to see if anybody else is doing it, but Usually, we're the only ones that that understand that there's a problem and and um, it needs to be handled. But un- until we can we can organize in some shape or form and stop caring about Facebook and clothes and all this other stuff and put that secondary and put this stuff first, um, it's going to continue the same direction. Yeah, I feel like I, we uh, should all cry now together. Oh no no no! no, no, no reason to cry. Right, I'm not. A- I know, I know. It's I'm sick. such a downer. I'm really sorry. I know you guys are trying to keep it light, and I have a hard time. Like, oh man, listen, the truth. I gotta truth keep it real. Secondary. That's it. Yeah, the truth. No, I, this is about 100. <laughs> me, me, and Dwayne definitely need your opinion because some people said we're me and him are dead inside. So <laughs> or, the way or, you feel, or just is negative not bad. people. Like we're looked at as negative people. That's what the, that's what they've they've kind of coined it as. Uh, you know, it, hey. it, it's. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna joke around. Dwayne, did you see uh, September 18th? What's gonna happen now with the moon? No, I didn't. Please tell me, because you know I think like all that stuff is absolutely true. I believe all of it. The like, there's gonna be like a three planet ocular alignment. On the 18th. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna murder everybody. I, I just saw a science everybody. alert. <laughs> hey, I'm the get I your hold boat down. out. I'm about right. to go to get go grab the generator right now. <laughs> the, hey, the 18th. I I am staying inside. Um, well, <laughs> let me go see what they're they're predicting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it, might, it, it might be a blast of pure love onto the earth. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um uh to, to to put my piece on it, um 
I definitely hear what you guys are saying. I definitely, uh, what Bridget said, it could be very depressing. It is very depressing because you, nobody said it, but the truth is, or Dwayne said it, the average person just doesn't care. They're just looking for somebody to fix it. And for somebody who does care, you kind of get used because you're the only one running around fixing it. You know, it's like Noah. He was the only one building the ark. He was telling everybody, like, it's going to rain. You need to build one of these too. And they laughed. But I promise you, when that water got up to their waist, when it got up to their shoulders, they were beating on his door, you know. And and we would look back and say, Noah, you were a terrible person. But it's like if you run around telling everybody we're all going to die, this is what you need to do, and no one wants to do it, and, and, and I guess this might be the church's defense, don't come running to me when now you need the help because and, – and this is where I – I excuse Noah, but I don't excuse the church. <laughs> provisioned. I mean, Noah was provisioned for him and his people. He, he he just had what he had. You know, this church wasn't even being used at the time. You know, um, but as we're talking about, and, and you know, we're laughing and, and saying some things, but we're all taking this very, very serious. Um, if I have provisions for my, my family, I'm not going to lose my provisions because you guys thought, it was better to make memes about it on Facebook. Like, I, I do stand there with a lot that goes on. Um, and I know that's where capitalists step in. A, a huge part of capitalism is, is profiting off of somebody's pain. I mean, without pain, there really is no need for, for companies. Um, so I don't think they're ever going to change on what they're doing. You know, I I I I had better business practice, and I guess we can segue to, segue this. Um, I think the biggest issue, and we kind of said it, is the mentality. And to me, it comes down to to why, like why why do we do this? You know, if if you open your insurance company and your why is just to make money, no, you you need to shut down. Your 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 why should be, I want to help homeowners when they're in times of need. That needs to be your why. So I, I think, and we all kind of sit in different ways, uh, the motivation isn't there, the why isn't there, and, and people in general. I think if people in general take it more serious, there'll be a trickle-down effect into government, into businesses. Um, but as as we stand now, I, I see only only um, things getting worse, not not better. In, in response, in responses to these disasters. So before I go to the new topic, uh, Bridget, I was going to let you know it's, it's um, nine o'clock. Uh, I, I don't know if you have to jump off, but I, I am going to switch topics. The top, this topic. A, go ahead. I was going to say I do have a few more minutes, but it depends on you guys if you want me to like. Oh no! You can you, you can okay. You can drop you can drop out mid statement if you want. If you want to make if you want to make a, <laughs> uh, uh, a leaving everyone remembers. You can drop out mid conversation. But I did want to segue uh, that me and you talked about this. But I didn't talk to Dwayne with uh, the video Dwayne showed. Um, uh, do you remember the guy's name, Dwayne? No, I can look it up though. It's it's Simon, Simon. It's 
Simon, Simon S. His most famous book is um. His most famous book is uh, Start with Why, and that's why I'm, I'm seg- seg- segmenting this. You you saw that video um, that you Simon sent to Sinek. us. Simon yeah, Sinek. Simon Sinek. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what he was talking about? Uh, that specific video, or you mean the why? Yeah. There's, there's like he, there's well, a bunch of different. That, that specific video, that wasn't exactly on why, but it, it, it leads into it or kind of tells you why why is important. But, uh, you know, enlighten right, our, so, our listeners. So the video was basically about um, companies, and I think this is a great segue, um, but companies being frustrated with m- millennials. So millennials are categorized for the, the folks that are born after 1984. Um, and, and the issues that they're having with these folks is that uh, usual leadership tactics or, or management behavior styles are not working on these, these group of people because, um, you know, tribulation, uh, issues with uh, fulfillment uh, is causing these people just to quit. So the way companies used to run stuff is they just, you know, they, they, they run it with pressure. Um, they, they put a lot of pressure on you. You could lose your job. Well, it doesn't work on these group of people because they're quitting faster than you can even fire them. Um, and, and he was basically saying that be, because of uh, the baby boomers who, who, who hold a lot of the wealth in this country, coddling them, telling them how special they are, not giving, giving them any real resistance throughout their lives, um, have created the problem, and they're now reaping the benefits or consequences depending on how you look at it, um, of, of uh, having to deal with these young people. So, um, uh, you know, Simon said that, you know, these are great people. These are, there's a lot of wisdom in what they do. And, and oddly enough, I, I do find positivity in their negativity because, because of millennials, and I am a millennial, but I'm a little bit old school, my work conditions have improved. Um my company no longer uses the same tactics because they know that, you know, the 50 grand that they, they use to invest in this employee could go, you know, poof into the wind because they're not the type of employee that you can use those same management techniques with. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think uh, he was highlighting on it. Millennials. I'm not a millennial, but millennials are, I guess I, you almost won, but millennials are, like you said, the same tricks don't work. Like I even I even use it where like they don't they even, and and this is back to that word gingification. <laughs> They're gingerfying everything because they'll move anywhere. They don't care what you just said, you know. Like mm-hmm. before you'd be like, oh, that's a bad community. Don't move over there. You. My generation's older would have said, "Yeah, you don't want to do that." Where millennials are like, "Look, I can ride my bike to work, and then I could go work at this lower job where this coffee house, where it's a better vibe than get yelled at by, you know, my father." <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's a it's, it's a definitely, but it's, it, to me, it's a conversation though that goes back to that why, because the millennials have a different why than. I guess people of my generation. Uh, did you do you see that at all, Bridget? Uh, yeah, I, I really don't like um, just briefly like classifying 
<laughs> like, like everybody just in one right. thing. Right. Right. So I'm not. I'm not really sure how to. So I, I saw what he that. was saying. It was basically was just like, okay, uh, the normal thing isn't working. These aren't the same type of people. Like, let's try this. Like, obviously that makes sense. But I think a lot of it also has to do with the information that millennials know versus the information the older generation just didn't know about. So I feel like if they already know everything's rigged and this is all bullshit and they're just going to be a slave for someone else to make money, I'm just not really sure that, like, trying to spin it a different way is going to change the reality enough for them to give a shit. So I I understand, like, if you are going to keep going in this direction, you are going to have to cater to try to make it more sexy for them. Like, okay. But I don't, I just, it's hard for me to... To just, look at just, it. To, just to play <laughs> the devil's advocate, um, and as, as Dwayne stated in the beginning, um, and, and I'll say with my my generation and back, uh, I am at the borderline. Um, I'm I'm 83, uh, so yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm 83. To, to, to disqualify yourself from this conversation, I thought that was crazy. You're li- literally probably less than 12 months removed from this, but go ahead. <laughs> right, right. Oh, um, um, and, it's and just, it's a state added. of mind, man. It's, it's just no, a state and, of mind. It is, it is. Uh, but this, this is what I was saying. Like it used to be, and it, and my dad's a smart guy. My dad told me, like my dad knew growing up that it was rigged. It was more rigged for him because he was a black guy in the '60s, you know. But they just, I hear you with the information. But I'm one of those, there's no new information. All this is old information. What they've been doing has been going on for hundreds of years. There's, for me, there's other reasons. I'm not going to go to it on this episode. But definitely, and you can look at it like 30 below, they just are not doing what people have done for hundreds of years. I'm not just saying the past generation. I'm talking about for thousands of years, people worked for one person, maybe two, their entire life and dedicated their life to that organization. God and family was second. We're now millennials, and I hate using terms too. I hate classifying people, but just so so people can follow the conversation. And you can look at it. Millennials are just changing everything. Um, for, for, For instance, I hate social media. But social media is changing the way things happen. Like like the event in Charlottesville, I think would have had a different outcome if it wasn't for social media. Because on social media, the national, the the whatever they're called, nationalists, all their faces are on social media. Like I I, I joined in. Everyone's sharing it. Like we need their names. Somebody knows somebody who knows these people. And then within. The next day, in less than 24 hours, these people's Facebook pages are popping up. People are losing jobs. You know, they're showing up on camera crying, like, I'm not that person. Without social media, none of that would have happened. And, and, and I'm, I'm not saying millennials are blessed. It's just a different mindset that's bringing different things in, into it. Um, and I think that's what Dwayne is trying to say. Uh, I didn't watch all the videos, so I don't know the full specifics um, he, he went into, 
Um, but I, I just want to play devil's advocate on that. So I, I do hear what you're saying. I don't like to group people, and, 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 it, is, and it is a mentality. But, but look, actually, let me ask you this. Comparing yourself to, to your mom, um, and the only reason I do this is because she gave you your genes. Do you guys think you think differently from the knowledge you guys have, or do you think you guys just naturally think differently and use your knowledge differently? Of course it's both. I guess what I'm saying is just like how the whole society operates is just different, and it changed a lot faster because of how we receive information and share information and instead of instead of how we used to be more community, now it's you know you find your niche person across the world, and that's your community so i I mean we can't say that it's one or the other, like, there's so many things that have changed, and I think it's, um, I kind of think it's just, like, a line to say, like, oh, they're just entitled, like, they're not entitled, like, the economy, jobs, like, they've had less opportunity, more debt, less wages, like, the percentages, like, all that information's there, like, they know it's way worse than their parents had it, it just, that's just the truth. So for for us to say, like, they're entitled when they've had less opportunity and less money than the previous generations that came before, and to be like, you're not happy with this, like, you're entitled, like, I, I'm not, I just don't buy that line. So so the part that, that I can take from what he was sharing is this, if we're going to keep going this way and we want to retain them, like, here are some things you could do, but I don't think that, I mean... I think it would be better if the whole system was changed. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's the bigger picture and just taking it out of context and just saying it's it's because they were given everything or I just, I don't buy that line. It's just not real. Well, uh, let, let me flip it to Dwayne because Dwayne brought it up. And, I, and I'll say, I, I agree <laughs> with Dwayne. Um, my dad, and, 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 and I think this is why Dwayne said old school. My dad raised me old school but I was raised with a lot of kids that were raised, I'm going to call it new school, where their parents told them, you're the greatest thing that's ever happened. You always win. Like, you lose now in a sport, and they give you a trophy. You know, uh, Dwayne, you, you kind of brought it up. Could, could you, and I know you see this on a day-to-day basis, could, could you kind of um, elaborate how old school raising a child versus new school yeah, um, the, the way we were raised, it, it was kind of tough love, you know what I mean? And, and I think everybody w- would have survived it. Um, my story is obviously different than your story because my story spans two countries. Yours spans the entire U.S., so geographically it's going to be different. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when – so my friends, my friends would come and visit. This is the best example I can come, come up with. And we would go to the store, supermarket, wherever. And um, my friend would have a great idea. He'd be like, yo, let's get some, 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 uh, some chips, some this, some that. And I would just stop him. I'd be like, hey, before we go in this door, just understand you're not getting anything. Every time I walk in, that's what she says to me. Give it a few minutes. You'll see how this ship runs. And before we walked in the door, 
um, my mom would be like, hey, don't ask for nothing because you ain't getting nothing. So reverse situations, I go to their house. Um, their mom's going to the store. Hey, wh- what what do you want, uh, Johnny or whatever name or wh- whoever they are? I want this. I want that. Yeah, but you already have that. Well, I want more. Well, you know you're going to get it because, you know, I love you and you're the greatest. And that's that's how that's how my world was. And I, and I would see things. I was like, hmm, you guys got this, huh? Only because you asked for it? You didn't have to slave away for a month to get it? And that was just a different mentality and a different experience. And this wasn't just poor friends and rich friends and black friends and white friends. This was all my friends. Friends that I knew, we had more money than them. You know, they still, like, their parents still bought everything. Their parents would be, you know, never be home because they were providing Jordans and everything else and working three jobs, and they got whatever they wanted. You know, I I wasn't grown that way because, you know, we just didn't have that options. We were still migrating here. But, um... But seeing it was like, wow, that's that's how things work. I wish I wish I had that. That'd be oh, you get shoes every month. That's awesome. Why did you get good grades? No, because you're you. That's amazing. I wish I was you. <laughs> like that, that that was just the, the dynamic that I saw, and and I don't and I I didn't send the video for the purpose of just disqualifying these group of people because they're they're spoiled. But I I I think I think this this group of people have done something great. And it was it was kind of a planned happenstance thing and an accidental genius, if you will, um, because I think they are moving mountains in a, an organized, disorganized way. I don't think any of this was planned, but you're right. The baby boomers have the money. Everything was they, – they had opportunity. You know, our opportunity was stolen from us when you talk about bailouts and other things like that. Those companies go under, so new companies can be built. Our companies. We never had that opportunity, so I think everything you're talking about is real. But there is some truth to the resistance that that generation didn't have because their parents have everything. Me and Tripp have friends in Columbia that, you know, when they went to college, there was a townhouse waiting for them, and they didn't have to worry about rent. Like, think about what your life is like when if you didn't have to deal with rent. I don't care about your opportunities. I don't care how good or bad they are. Just imagine taking rent out of the variable of your life while you're going to school, while you have your first kid. Me and Trip never had that. You know, I, yeah, I, 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 was paying, I was paying my parents' rent at certain points. <laughs> you know, I, 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 was, yeah. I was lucky enough to be a hustler, and I came into some cash. And when times hit, they would look at me. You know, like, I had, I had girlfriends that, you know, their dad was, you know, drove nice cars and stuff like that. But times would hit, and they'd be like, well, my dad says I should go on Section 8. And I'm like, you only but it's only two, three months, and I'd shoot them the cake. You know, I'm in college working, and, you know, I, I, I've saved money from, from doing other things, and I, I've got lucky through other investments, so I had the money at the time, but it just blew my mind because I'm like, you guys were making ridiculous amounts of money during times where there were no bills. My mom's mortgage on her first house, which she sold for two hundred fifty grand, was $600 a month in Florida. And we had 2,000 square feet and a yard. I'm not going to put my business out there, but I, I wish I had that. <laughs> and I got, a great deal, I got a great deal through my education and, you know, my experience in lending compared to what my friends pay in a mortgage. Right. And I paid triple that. God knows what they're paying because they're getting ripped off. So it, and that, I, I guess – go ahead. 
I was gonna I was gonna cut in kind of kind of to throw something else in, into the conversation, um, um, that Bridget had stated with with the education. I do think I do. You are right. Of course, you are right. Education, and and, and I think it's while we're living in the, probably the freest times, uh, probably in the last four thousand years, five thousand years, just because information can be got by almost anybody. But I I will see older people get information and do something. I'll see younger people get information and do something. And for me personally, it's kind of just how the person takes it. But uh, to, to throw this in back in with the conversation we're having, I, I, I kind of I, – I see us – and you can use the word millennials if you want, or, or our generation is coming off of probably one of the richest, well, it is the golden richest age. American generation. Yeah, it was, it was a they, golden they, age. They, they, got, they got three or four golden ages. We won't see, we may see one. Right, but I think the first, the first couple, I won't say the first couple golden ages, but since the 1800s, I think that, hard work mentality was taught with the golden age where I think I don't blame the millennials. I blame their parents. It got to ours. Cause me, I'm, I'm, I'm African American. I was born into a middle-class society. I wasn't born in a hood. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't born on section eight. I was no, I was born in a middle-class society and I grew up in a military society, so it was it was hard work. But I do remember all my friends just having everything, and I just yeah. I thought that's all it was supposed to be. And then from there, I moved to Howard County, Columbia, where everyone just had everything. And instead of a family of four or five, it's a family of of two. You know, the parent and the child, and the child then thinks they're supposed to have everything. Or there's two children and they get everything because their parents want to provide and you know for for what that's worth. Okay, uh, we're now with this conversation. I think it sometimes gets blamed because they're millennials, like just because of the time they were born. But I do think it's a complex problem, good or bad. That and and I won't even use age 84. I feel like 35 and down, we kind of have a different mindset. I don't want to say as a whole, but I know us three do where, and, and I know a lot of people I, I meet in my age group where we're kind of just more open-minded to things. Well, I feel like the generations before was like, this is what we do. This is how we do it, you know, and, and went with it. Um, Bridget, are, are you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, so um, um, with me saying all that, um, do you think do you think it's it's kind of a worth ethic thing? Do you think it's kind of uh, just tired of hearing the same old BS? What what do you think is 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 missing from the motivation for the millennials? It it is a complex problem, absolutely. Like a lot of what you're saying, because we're just focusing on work, right? But I mean, mm-hmm. the whole the whole culture is about consumerism. Is about like your own identity, your own status. It wasn't about community or collective anything. It's all just like me, me, me. What can I do? Um, that's what just 
that's just what has been shown. So, like, our parents or, like, us now, like, you know, have to send our kids to daycare or find some other thing to where we can't really have as much time for family values. Like, this is, like, a whole lot of, of, whole lot of things. So we can't set them up as well with, with time. We have to work two jobs, I mean, obviously. And then also, it's just, there's so many things. So it, it has to do with, with their direction that it's been heading and just the brutal reality, I guess, of like, there's just so many pieces that have just gone down the shitter. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it, and it was, was on purpose. Out. So they just, you know, start <sighs> cutting all the social programs, start cutting all the education, try to privatize everything. Well, Nothing's great it, it, if it doesn't make money. It's all the same kind of, it all plays. Yeah, if, if, if I can cut in, and I think you, you, yeah. you did mention this, they, I think for the first time now, because you said programs are closing, we can see the end. I think before they not, they they didn't think it was going to end. Well, I think we see the end. Is, is that kind of what you're saying? That in our generation we see that there is no social security. You know, corporations don't care about you. Uh, you know, when 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 my when my dad, I guess, is my age, McDonald's, everybody ate McDonald's. <laughs> you, you, you know. Where where now we know these corporations don't don't care about us. Is is, is that kind of what you're getting to, Bridget? Yeah, I I agree with what you're saying. I guess just to add like a personal thing on mm-hmm. this, uh, in my close family, I don't really have a lot of good examples of like a lot of wealth creation. There wasn't a lot of that taught. So I got the same thing like you were saying, like you know, go to school, get good grades. Uh, go to college so you can get a job and you can work it until you die. And that was it. And I just like, I was like, what? Like, this can't really be what we're doing. This doesn't feel right. And they're like, no, that's it. That's the plan. And then you'll go to heaven because we believe in God. And that was even more like, you know, mind messed All up true. situation. I had to, I had to de-religious, it's fine. These are words. But so just the yeah. personal thing is, my my dad actually um, I don't want to blow up his his shit, but he works for the same company for thirty years, and over the years it got downsized every five years, or it switched hands with another company, and he just his friends all around him kept getting fired, and he was just one of those stable, good working people, and he I mean, or it was just luck, I don't know, but he kept his job throughout all this time, and never really planned for any kind of retirement or anything. I tried to tell him when when I was younger, like, this is real, like, you should probably worry about this. And he's like, that's fine. So just this last year, he got let go. And he got a severance that lasted him a few months. And now he has to figure out how medical insurance works and how it is to not have a company vehicle and a company paid phone and, like, you know, all these things that he hasn't thought about it. and he he was his own boss for a long time like this whole time so it uh yeah just thinking about what's going on in his brain from having that security in his mind to just shit like what now like so that's what's happening in my own family uh so i guess it's just 
I think if if they haven't felt it yet, um, no matter what age, you're going to feel it soon. So at least we have a little bit of, I don't know, we can try to think ahead as best we can in this shitty situation because we have the information. But if they were blind before, it's it's pretty, it's coming down the road pretty quickly that I don't think you'll be able to ignore it. But that's just my own little piece. No, um, I, I think that, goes to 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 this conversation uh, especially uh, again I'll say and I'm not saying other generations didn't see it because industries have always fallen and new industries have risen but we are I don't want to say it's going back to the 1920s but we are eerily going back to the 1920s where in 30 years from now these baby boomers are going to be so old they're not even going to know what to do with their money let alone um, ha- handle what's going on. And, and, and two, with that, there's going to be so many of them, and a lot of them are going to be, because your dad experience is very common, there's going to be a lot of them that are just going to suck up their Social Security, whatever left, and then, you know, we're on our own. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I definitely think, um, a lot of younger people are taking note because my dad, I guess growing up, got to see his, his father have a decent government career, which he was going down the same path, but um, military, but cut downs, you know, because people don't value war anymore. Um, a lot of a lot of people, he had, he had to switch. And, you know, a lot of, I saw that. And, and after 2008, a lot of people saw a lot of people get laid off with no retirement, where before you thought you'd give anybody 40 years, you at least get some retirement out of it. Um, back, back to Dwayne, because I, I, I know you've seen this. Um, do, do you think that's a big part of to this millennial thing? Millennials, especially people in their 30s um, now, or, or people in their late 20s now would have, in 2008, easily have seen their parents lose lose jobs. I remember one job you said, you know, well, I wouldn't say one job. You know me and you do what we were doing in 2008, saw people lose millions overnight. Do, do you think that has to do with um, them not being as motivated to chase after these carrots? Um, no, to be honest with you. Um, I think it, it really goes back to the why. And um, I, I don't think we're going to see uh, the golden age that our parents are, the baby boomers, or however we want to categorize them, saw. But I do think there is a blessing on the, on the horizon. So these baby boomers were raised in an age where there was nothing but opportunity. Can we all agree on that? Yes. For the most part, yeah. So that, so that, that meant that if you were a monkey, you could set up shop and your bank account will grow. I mean, I, I heard about people um, in the 90s during the dot-com booms that usually literally would just throw their money into any stock, pick one, and you would just watch it grow, and you'd have your retirement, and you could go on trips. Doesn't that kind of sound like what they're accusing our generation of? <laughs> they, 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 never, they never had to be good at anything. I've watched um, my whole career – that have no clue of what they're doing make tons of money off of just sitting there. 
So yeah. I think these people moving out of their positions and giving people who actually – because we're taking on the quotas that they blew up for no reason. That's really yeah, well, what the millennials are pissed about. You, you're walking into a job. You're handed a quota that's impossible to get to if you're going to do your job ethically. And then you're, 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 you're flogged, um, you know, uh, you know in a, in a, in a, not, not in a physical sense, just in terms of how you're treated for, for not hitting this impossible quota because you're, you're not shady or you're not doing things that maybe isn't the right thing to do. And that's really why they're pissed. If you're set up, set up for failure, I think anybody would feel that way. And then you've got this self-entitled person that was successful through no fault of their own saying, well, I did it. Why can't you do it? So I think them retiring is going to be the best thing for the economy. Think about, like I keep telling you, Trip, I hate this bailout. It, 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 it makes my skin crawl. Why do you think I try to dodge paying taxes? I'd rather, I'd rather open a company and lose money than pay money to these people who just, they don't do anything. All they do is mess everything up. I don't ha- I don't, I've never had great leadership in my career. I've been the greatest leader at every job I've been to. So I, to, I, I, I feel the millennials. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Because um, yeah. uh, I, I wanted to throw, throw some things in there. I think the older generations were able to, you know, every, everyone knows the gener- um, um, your society is built off the backs of the youngest generation. They go to war. Right. They do all the hardest jobs. Um, where I think baby boomers, it was more of them because that was like a family of five or six. Um, so there was a lot of opportunity where where a lot of bubbles that were created then have now popped. Um, a lot of them lost their job um, uh, to, to what you're saying and and because I've been to it, the standards are still high. Corporate America is still running like it was 20 years ago. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll show you some charts and say, oh, you can, like you said, oh, I, I did it, you can do it. Um, uh, where, where I think to, to what you're saying, the, the younger generation is saying um, they're not going to do that, and, yes, I am going to enjoy my life. Uh, I, I think it's definitely caused a different, mindset. Uh, I know for me, um, I guess the, the, the new thing nowadays is to be a boss, to be an entrepreneur, to own your own business. And I'm not saying it's not on the rise, but I know personally, in my personal circles, I'm kind of the only one that owns my own business. Um, um, and the reason why I do is to what Dwayne's saying. I know what, what's at the end of it. Um, but but I think more millennials, and I'm not blaming them for it, you know, people in my age group, they'd rather enjoy themselves now and be broke or or live status quo than dedicate their life to an organization that they might lose their job. Is, is that kind of what you're saying? Me? You talking to Bridget? Yeah, yeah, you. I was trying yeah, to throw I, I, in. That's, that's, a, that's absolutely. Like, they don't want to be played in. And I salute them. I, I'm just the guy that was, like, I felt the way they felt when I went to work. And I'm like, you guys are idiots. What are you doing? None of this stuff works. But I didn't quit. They had the confidence, and I guess because their parents or whatever reason to say, you know what? This is stupid. 
Life is too short. And literally, like I'm saying, these people impacted my current job. The way my bosses treat me are different because they think I'm a millennial. I'm going to ride that mm-hmm. to the bank because I've, I've got thick skin. What they say about me, I care. You know what I mean? So I'm going to play whatever card I'm dealt. So I was one of those people. I was, I'm a millennial in that I know, hey, you don't have to pe- treat people like they're trash to motivate them. I mean, you're, I mean, we work together, Trip. People called me a Nazi, but did I ever disrespectfully <laughs> talk to did I, did, I, did, I, did I disrespect or put anybody down for, like, out of, out of character? Like, if you, didn't, if you didn't come at me the wrong way, did I ever treat you out of control? I was very direct. But I, I, was never, I was never the one to just treat people like trash. I don't do that to people. And, and so people know what we're talking about. Two, this happened in two situations, actually. In neither situation were the people who were upset with you were they millennials. They were all baby boomers. It was they were ethic. baby boomers. <laughs> it was work <laughs> ethic. They don't – and this, this is in general. People don't like to be told what to do. They definitely don't like to be told by a younger person. Um, mm-hmm. um, and they definitely don't honestly, like to be wrong. Yeah, honestly, looking back, um, I think – I didn't know it at the time, but that was the biggest reason why I had to leave corporate America because, you know, and I, and, and I said this to you, we've, and, and you do, you have a job where you're working with your people in your mom's age. You know, my last corporate job, the av- my coworker was 20 to 30 years older than me. Um, and they don't, a lot of people don't want to deal with that, you know. They'll just get you right out. Uh, shameless, not shameless plug, plug, read the 48 Laws of Power. That's why I have read it and read it because um, people are weird. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Well, I was going to say something else, but it's like, you know, I – I had to read the 48 Laws of Power not because I wanted power, but it was to, and now, and, and I'm I'm saying this all in hindsight, it would have helped me, and it helps me now to deal with people in powerful roles. Because a lot of people, you think they're in that powerful role that that um, they're confident, but a lot of times they're very insecure, and they're in that role purely because they're insecure. Have, have you ever encountered anything like that, Bridget, where the person, you have to be the ball, you have to, be the boss of, of people older than you? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I just thought of <laughs> another thing, too, like the what people had before were, like, unions and people that actually, like, <laughs> helped yeah. fight for, like, justice inside the workplace. But it's all the same model now. So it's all, like, you know, the Bridget, they're, they're, well, they're, coming, they're coming back right now because of the millennials. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say like this, this is the one. This is this is the one silver lining I can say that's not a buzzkill. Is it's kind of what you're working on, Trip. Just like a more democratized or even workplace, as far as either profit sharing or worker co-ops. Those well, kind that, of things uh, are are trying to make a comeback. Uh, and well, that's what um, we talk about knowledge. I think the baby baby boomers thought they had, but um, I guess millennials are figuring out what, what the true word of profit sharing means because I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people got hired 
He said, oh, yeah, we do profit sharing, um, but it's not true <laughs> profit sharing. It's a piece of their bonus um, where I think a lot of millennials or definitely people my age are realizing, um, no, I'm going to need a percentage. You know, I'm going to need to look at the books, and I'm going to need a percentage because, um, um, again, another reason why I quit uh, corporate America was I realized my employers were profiting off of my mind that doesn't shut off, where I'm a, I get a problem, I'm going to break that problem down. Whether you pay me or not, my mind's not going to get off of it till it's solved. Um, well, I, I feel corporations used to, or people used to give that to corporations for free, where now people are starting their own business, websites, podcasts, whatever you call it, um, um, more so doing that, knowing forget the money, at least I'll have the time. Um, and I, I think that's probably the biggest thing. And and other countries do it, and I think this is to what Dwayne's saying about um, leeway at his job. I think corporate America is finally having to realize that people want time. And I think it's actually starting to take place because um, depending on what you do or depending on where you're at, uh, there's a lot of jobs that need to be filled. If you're in certain industries, you have job security now because people aren't coming for, for your job. Like, like if, if you're a programmer, coder, when I was a kid, oh, we all wanted to be program coders. And and at that time, I think they were probably scared that they were going to lose their jobs. Or now, who? <laughs> I've never heard of someone said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a uh, computer programmer. You know, it, it's one of those jobs older people do. Um, I don't know why I brought that up, but I just think it's kind of interesting. Um, um, and this is a subject we never got to. Uh, those driverless cars, what are they called, autonomous cars? Mm-hmm. Where there's there's certain industries right now playing politics because they know they're going to lose their jobs. I mean, a lot of people lost their jobs off Uber. You know, Uber made a taxi job go from – a sketchy person that may not speak English to my last Uber I got picked up, this guy was wearing a belt, a velvet jacket and a tie. And I was like, you are overly dressed. There's no reason you should be dressed like this. But, it, and, and of course he was a millennial, you know. Uh, they can get tips now. That's why. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. We got in. He said, um, the auxiliary cord for the music's right there. You need charger. I got waters in the back. I said, my man, you know, you know what I mean? Before then, I, well, let's just go, oh, I sound old. 20 years ago when I caught a cab, like, it was probably my third cab. The guy didn't even know where he was going and then charged me for it. It was like, I didn't no, no, tell you to he, do all this. He, he knew exactly where he was going. He's just the Right, character. right, right, right. <laughs> well, you know, I think. I think if I can say this, and, and, and this is my bad connotation with baby boomers, if, if, um, I, I definitely, to me, that society had more of a slave mentality where you sometimes got bad service from people because they felt like they were slaves or everything was just a machine, nothing really thought on their own, where now, and I'm not just – I don't want to credit the millennials with it, but now I think 
customer service is kind of coming back because individuals, and this is how I tell people all the time, I'm in the customer service business. That's my business, you know. I know if I can handle all my customer service personally, I'll I'll stay in business. So uh, I I think we've talked about a lot. I think we've 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 hit more areas than we needed to. Um, closing closing statements, Bridget. You want to go first? Just close oh, us out. Uh, with, with, you know where where you're at at the end of this. Go ahead. No, just to just to maybe check out some worker co-op things. I know on the East Coast there's a couple businesses that have started to to try to do a, a like tailor a co-op with your ideas kind of thing, like using a bunch of different models that have been successful, and just look into more like democratized workplaces that are changing. Because again, it's not going to change from the corporations or government. We already know what's important. So it's another grassroots thing we can kind of focus on to tie into to the other community things we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you, you stated it last time very well. No one cares about us. You need to care about yourself. <laughs> you need to make sure you, you're, you're right. your community is right. Uh, Dwayne? Yeah, I, I I know you don't want to, but I'm I'm just gonna say thank you to the millennials. Um, I appreciate you. Keep quitting those jobs. Don't let them tell you nothing. And life don't hard. let them tell you. And thank God the baby boomers are retiring, so we can get an opportunity. <laughs> <one>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a jump on Dwayne's um coattails. I'm always optimistic. I love my position. Uh. The hardworking baby boomers are retiring, and we're all in corporate America. Most millennials my age don't want to do what I do, so <laughs> there'll always be a marketplace for me. Is that it? Um. Until <laughs> next time, keep it class. Ah, keep it classy, San Diego. <laughs> Holy. Totally screwed that up. And I and it's not turning off. And it's not turning off. Mm. Hey, you guys keep up the good fight, man. I gotta go to work. Okay. All right, thank you. I gotta bounce too. My kids are about to leave in a few minutes. Yeah, I I um I'll talk to you later. All right. Okay. Bye.